Welcome to the Mind Body Breakthroughs Podcast, where we bring you amazing guests on the cutting edge of science, health, and business each week to share strategies you can use to get the breakthrough that you are looking for in your life. I am your host, Chris Donahue, and with me is my co-host, Dr. Nevada Gray. We're so glad that you're joining us today, and we'd like to invite you to join our free private Facebook community, Mind Body Breakthroughs. The views expressed on the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast are the opinions of the hosts and guests and are not to be taken as medical advice, as the hosts and guests do not provide medical care. Information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult your medical provider in relation to your personal health and prior to making any changes in your diet or fitness. The Mind Body Breakthrough online coaching program is a comprehensive and customizable guide for total body transformation. Its 150 pages will equip you with everything you need for a ketogenic lifestyle, from low-carb to zero-carb carnivore. The program contains a two-week carb cleanse, 30-day keto sample menu, 30-day sample workout guide, and much, much more. These are recipes you will love, exercises you can do, and strategies that you will enjoy making part of your life. From the person who wants to lose a few pounds on low-carb to the person using keto or carnivore to manage serious issues or optimize health and performance, this program has something for everyone. Sections include the carnivore allergy and autoimmune protocol, fasting, toxicity, and advanced strategies for sleep, stress management, cold thermogenesis, sauna, and more. Included with the program is lifetime access to the Mind Body Breakthroughs Coaching Group, where you'll have your questions answered, a support network to help you on your journey. Why pay for monthly memberships or coaching when you can have the best and most cutting-edge information and help at your fingertips anytime you want for as long as you want? Your adventure for a better, healthier life begins today. See the show notes for a discount link to the program and unlimited lifetime coaching. Dr. Jay Wrigley, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here. I hope you guys are doing well. Yes, welcome back. We're very excited to have you on today for today's topic, and that is men's health and testosterone. So a lot of men have low testosterone. And they go to their doctor and go through a battery of tests to find out why is their T low. And it's kind of become a national crisis for men in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. Uh, what are some of the mechanisms at play that can lower a man's testosterone? Oh, lots of things, Nevada. Um, the, you know, so we would start with uh, lifestyle factors. Again, I guess we need to lay down a little... Um, like we did last time, let's lay down a little like functional hormonal biochemistry. Okay. So um, if you first look at that, there's this, there's this pathway of the creation of all hormones in the body, but certainly the steroidal hormones in the body that begins with the process of the liver creating cholesterol and then turning cholesterol into uh, a master hormone that we call pregnenolone. And then from there, it gets shunted into progesterone. And then at, at that point, 
all of the other hormones, including testosterone, something called DHEA, estrogen, uh, and many other different hormones are created out of this, this pathway. So again, all right, so with that just generalization there, various things can happen in a, in a person's life that would alter this, this pathway. The first thing that I'll speak to is about what we call endocrine disruptors, okay? So the endocrine system is made up of four primary glands, uh, and they are the pituitary gland that sits in the uh, in, in, behind your forehead in the in the frontal lobe of your of your brain, and then you have the thyroid gland that sits in the base of your throat, and then you have the adrenal glands that sit on top of the kidneys, and then you have if you're a woman you have your ovaries, and if you're a man you have your testes that that makes up the fourth glands that are part of this this endocrine system. So there are things that we have now identified in our environment that are new to human beings, at least in the last, let's say, uh, 30, 40, or 50 years that we have identified are endocrine disruptors. They are chemicals that have been produced that never used to ex exist in nature for sure, that now have been mass produced and find our, their way into our food supply and the air that we breathe and the water that we drink. And when we take these in, they disrupt this endocrine system. And so a big part of this endocrine system in a male is the two glands of the testicles and the adrenal glands where you're getting the major production of this hormone called testosterone. So if you're taking in an endocrine disruptor, you are disrupting your body's ability to produce adequate amounts of testosterone. So some of those things would be what we call xenoestrogens, um, PCBs that, you know, that come in plastic made materials, uh, our endocrine disruptors, pesticides, herbicides that we spray on food, our endocrine disruptors. Um, other ones would be uh, well, just basically the entire processed food industry uh, with the amount of uh, preservatives and things that they need to extend shelf life or whatnot have been found to be endocrine disruptors. And so there's a lot of things that could be going on in the average person's diet that is negatively affecting their ability to produce testosterone. So that would be one. And we'll get we'll touch more on what we can do about that with diet, but uh, just you know just to identify some of the reasons that people could show up with low low T, some men. Um, another one would be poor sleep habits. We see we find this very common is that younger men more and more are not getting adequate amounts of sleep. This disrupts this whole endocrine system. Um, involved with the serotonin pathways, the melatonin pathways, the things that we need to, that, to adequate, adequately rest our bodies in order to regenerate these hormone cycles, testosterone being a big one. So lack of sleep would be one. Uh, another one would be, the, you know, the big one is just simple, the word stress, okay? Now, the stress comes in many, many different packages, but it can come in chemical stress and come in emotional stress and become stressive again, not sleeping adequately, but stress when the body is under stress, here's what's going to happen. 
you have two, there's two little glands that sit on top of your kidneys called your adrenal glands again, are responsible for the adaptation internally in your body to stress. It's got to keep everything in balance. We call that homeostasis, right? So the adrenal glands are responsible for keeping your body in homeostasis under stress. Now, its mechanism for doing that is to create additional hormones that, that aren't typically elevated in the body only under periods of times of stress. And, and again, so if we walk back that, let, let's you know, go back a little bit to our hunter-gatherer uh, ancestry here. We would have seen that these people, the stress in their life was um, a little bit different than today. The stress would have been you might be chased by a large animal for a short period of time that you're trying to get away from. Um, there was the stress of the environment and whatnot, but there was also there, you know, there, there was a lot less stress in, in a certain way. There, there might have been bigger stresses for a minute, but it wasn't this chronic low level of constantly being stressed <clears throat> because mainly what they did, they enjoyed their life. They, you know, they spent their time hunting, gathering, socializing, resting, napping, um, and, and doing things that was, a, in, in a sense, it was a fairly unstressed lifestyle other than the dangers that came along sometimes with that, right? Okay, so anyway, where I'm leading to is in the modern world today, people are typically under this chronic, even if it's a low level, but they're under this chronic level of stress, managing their job, their family, um, and all the other stuff that they've got going on, their social activity, uh, their finances and whatnot. And what this does is this causes, causes the adrenals to be on overload all the time. And so how it adapts to that is it produces a hormone called cortisol, which is the response to stress in the human body. Now, there's also a couple others that we could talk about, norepinephrine, epinephrine, but we're gonna stick with cortisol for a minute because cortisol, is something that you, we, we all have to have, we would die without it, but it's supposed to be cycled in and out based on a stress to your body. It is, was never intended to be chronically secreted all the time. When it gets secreted all the time, it does two things. One is it sets off an inflammatory reaction within the tissues of your body which leads to you know, inflammation that can lead to all kinds of problems. Uh, even with, uh, you know, we think the, the things we would think about most with inflammation would be uh, certainly pain, like joints, muscle pain, things like that. But inflammation really is at the root of every disorder that we see today chronically. Heart disease is really an inflammatory disorder of the arterial lining. Um, even, even things like diabetes and blood sugar has an inflammatory component to that. Uh, you know, headaches, uh, even cancer's got inflammation at, 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 at a, as a root part of it. So again, I'm, get, I'm getting a little bit off track, but I'm, trying to, I'm gonna try to tie this up for these men who are listening to this and get them to understand why, why this is important. See, what happens is, we, we, if we go back to what we were talking about earlier, where once cholesterol gets makes it way makes its way through this pathway to progesterone, then from progesterone, your body is going to shunt that to what it needs the most of. Now, in an in a, in a woman, that would typically be estrogen. 
but a woman also has to have testosterone as well. In a man, that should be shunted over to testosterone production through a pathway that uh, first goes to DHEA and <clears throat> adrenaline. Um, anyway, I'm not going to try to keep from getting too complicated about that. But so why this is important is if a man needs testosterone, but he is under this chronic level of stress, what's going to happen is that because cortisol is actually also manufactured from progesterone, the, the adrenals are going to be robbing the progesterone stores to make cortisol, and there's not enough of it around to shunt to this testosterone pathway. And so that's the, that's the relationship there between stress and low testosterone is now you've taken your building block for testosterone and your body's got to be using it for another pathway and you don't have enough left over to make testosterone. So that's a big one. And I need, you know, everybody needs to get that. That's the importance of trying to build a framework in your lifestyle that manages the stresses that you do have. Because a lot of times you can't eliminate all those stresses, but you can pick a strategy whether it be through exercise, better eating, um, movement, yoga, uh, meditation, journaling, you know, all the things that uh, just, you know, there, there's a lot of tools that help your body. And really what they're doing is they're calming down your adrenal function so that you're not shunning all of your uh, building block to create cortisol to manage stress. Okay. Okay, now uh, I'm going to take a stop there for a second. See if the, if there was anything you want to say about adding on to that question, or do you just want me to keep running with this? Or I would just say keep running. Okay. All right. So other factors, um, nutritional factors are a big one because again, there are key nutrients that we take in through the diet that are related to testosterone production. So. The one that most people know about, or maybe not everybody, but um, the, you know, the biggest link is the, the <clears throat> mineral zinc. Zinc is absolutely necessary to get to the testosterone pathway for creation of testosterone. And we're finding that more and more people are becoming more and more zinc deficient because they don't eat foods that are adequate in zinc, which typically would come from places like seafood and shellfish and oysters. Um, uh, you can also get it in some nuts and seeds, uh, but it's not well represented a lot of time in certainly a standard American diet, unless the food has been fortified and that's not the way you want to go about getting getting that. So pay attention to, if you're one of these men listening to this, this is, you know, this has been an issue for you. Make sure that you are getting enough zinc or supplement with zinc. And, you know, that's a, uh, a key nutrient I use in my clinic a lot is to put a man on 40 milligrams of zinc a day to drive that testosterone pathway. So that's something that can be, uh, that's fairly simple and can be done. Um, other factors would be that, okay, here's, here's one that a lot of men are not told and, and don't quite know about is if we look at the conditions in which the body produces testosterone, they're kind of interesting in the fact that they, you, where you get the maximum amount of testosterone and also something called human growth hormone produced is in the periods of time away from eating food. 
And so a lot of men have problems with low testosterone because we all bought in for a period of time this idea that, that the ideal diet looked like six, you know, fairly small meals a day, eating throughout the day constantly to um, that whoever thought up this crazy idea that that's the way you drive your metabolism is by feeding it all day long. We pretty much have figured out that 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 was never true. And if anything, there's so many complications around that because where we get the best hormonal production is in a fasted state. So uh, for all of you that would be listening here who are familiar with terms like uh, intermittent fasting, where you, you, you reduce the hours of feeding in your, in your daily window down to somewhere between six and eight is where you take in your food and you allow your body to go into a fasting state for somewhere between 16 and 18 hours a day. That is where you get this, this big boost in testosterone and human growth, growth hormone. So it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, a great tool to be able to use that um, instead of maybe you have to go for, you know, exogenous testosterone supplementation. Um, let's see. Yeah. So I think that that covers kind of like some of the main lifestyle components and how they would affect lower testosterone. So if any, you know, if, if anybody listening to this can sit down and go, okay, this makes sense to me. Here's where I can actually do some things that would be of benefit to me. Make sure I get enough zinc in my diet. Make sure that I'm not eating too frequently. Make sure that I'm, uh, I'm working on my quality and quantity of sleep, reducing stress where I can. Uh, these, all these things improve hormonal balance for sure. Awesome. Yeah. That's, you know, it's so important to focus on the root cause and, uh, we're, we're very quick to supplement or pharmaceutically right. sure. try to give what you're missing and not address, you know, why the body is not producing sufficient levels of things. Um, the intermittent fasting, like you said, there's, there's studies that have shown even a 24 hour fast can boost testosterone by like 2000%. I mean, right. you just see all these people that are going and getting shots and, you know, taking all of these, uh, all of these drugs when your body can make it all by itself. What are some of the endocrine disruptors that we have some control of things, you know, phytoestrogens, plastics, like what are, what are some things that uh, guys should be especially conscious of? Alcohol. Alcohol is now, again, that's a little bit off topic, but it just, it, it rang, When you said that, Chris, it just came to my mind because we didn't really touch on that one yet. We need to, it's, it's not, <clears throat> it's not truly classified as an endocrine disruptor, but what it does in a male. And again, I'm not in any way suggesting everybody be a teetotaler. I enjoy it. I, I enjoy an occasional little drink myself, but the overconsumption or the, the too many days in a row of consuming alcohol in a male's body is one of the things that will shut down testosterone production about as fast as anything else because it's pro-estrogen. And for a man, the relationship, even though we don't think of estrogen as a, as a male hormone at all, just like women have testosterone, males have estrogen and it's necessary at a very low level. 
but you don't want to do anything in a male's body for sure to elevate estrogen. And when you drink, you overconsume or, or drink too frequently, you are, you are mimicking this estrogen pathway and it can lead to everything from low testosterone to, um, you know, other disorders. Uh, the simple one that, that we also, we, we often talk about in this space is that men that will, you know, ask me why it is that they're actually finding that they have more breast tissue than they think that they should have along with their weight gain. This is the estrogen effect. And the estrogen effect is also can be just thought of as this. If you are increasing estrogen in a male's body, you are, you are decreasing testosterone. So be very, you know, be careful about your, or, or set a strategy. If you're, if you're, if you're somebody who likes to consume alcohol, Definitely set a strategy for, um, you know, how you want to be able to accomplish having some fun socially, but you want to be taking care of your hormonal balance at the same time. So that would be one that we'll put in there. Um, others would be really, again, I, you know, it's more than it's a specific thing. It, it's like the, <clears throat> the answer, Chris, to what you're talking about is this. This is just another reason why. 90 to 95% of your diet should be should be whole food should be having nothing to do with something that comes out of a package that then is put in styro you know that is then put in plastic um if if it's got a bunch of ingredients that you can't pronounce on it <coughs> you know it it doesn't belong there you know it's 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 uh all of the stuff that lives mainly in the center aisles of the grocery store is completely about driving profits for companies that really don't care one thing about your health whatsoever. So again, you know, this sounds like kindergarten, I think to, to us today and maybe everybody listening, but we really do have to, you know, go back over this for new people all the time and say, listen, you need to, you know, when you walk into your grocery store, for the most part, you need to stay on the perimeter of the grocery store. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is where the meat and the dairy and the eggs and the produce and the and the living food exists. Most of the stuff down the aisles, with the exception of things like, you know, good coffee and uh, finding your sardines, if you love them like I do, you know, you have to veer off the perimeter. But for the most part, you want to stay out of the aisles. Because you're finding everything in boxes and cans, and it's it's loaded with things that would be endocrine disruptors. What are uh, besides intermittent fasting? Uh, what are some other things that that guys can do? I was reading some studies about sunshine and mm -hmm. and its effect on boosting testosterone, sauna, exercise. Can you talk to sure. a few other? lifestyle strategies that, that we can use? Well, yeah, let's touch on those. So vitamin D um, is directly involved in the pathway of the manufacturing of all the steroid hormones. And so, you know, vitamin D, interestingly enough, really not, is not a vitamin. Um, I, I really haven't gone back and figured out why they, they decided to term that. It's called cholecalciferol. It's a, it's a hormone. And it's very important in the producing, producing of testosterone and other hormones. And, uh, you know, we're seeing, an, a, we're seeing an epidemic of 
vitamin D deficiencies. And there, it, some of it is we're not getting enough in our diet. Some of it is might have something to do with this overreaction to the sun being bad and everybody lathering their skins full of sunscreen, um, which we're realizing now that that's probably not a real good idea. Um, so vitamin D levels are extremely important. So again, sunshine is the best way to get that. You know, for people who live, for the female patients that I work with who live in the north, um, I think it's I, I think it's silly to not supplement vitamin D. But if you can get adequate sunshine, especially for a male, that's the way you would want to be able to get your vitamin D for the most part. Uh, that also would come in good, you know, full fat. Again, this goes back to this whole low fat diet that we preached for the last 30, 40 years is coming back to bite us because if you look at where vitamin D comes from in the diet, it comes from fat sources like good quality dairy products, butter, um, fish, uh, you know, all the things that tend to have a fair amount of fat in them usually have vitamin D in there. And that's what you want to, you know, to make sure that you, you get into that. And that's, again, I think why we all kind of support a low carb way of eating because it allows us to, to eat more freely from good quality animal fat that has so much benefit to it without having a problem if you're keeping the carbohydrate restricted in your diet. Um, you mentioned another one about exercise. So, you know, obviously, <clears throat> maybe not obviously to everybody, but one of the, you know, one of the fastest ways to increase testosterone in a male's body is strength training. And again, if we go back to what you just said earlier, Chris, if you want to blast testosterone through the roof, what you do is do some strength training in a fasted state. And it is like skyrocketing both human growth hormone and testosterone, which are doing so much benefit for you. So again, that's another one that I see out there. I'll see these guys who are training, but still having low T because they're still under the assumption that these, these big pre-workout meals, mainly loaded with carbohydrate, which is spiking, <coughs> excuse me, so much insulin, is not doing you any favors when you're in the gym. So again, you know, there's a lot of information out there now that's coming to light that would uh, that, that can coach these men about the benefits of doing your strength training or any exercise in a fasted state to get better testosterone release. Yes, and I also have a question um, regarding testosterone over the lifetime. Um, there's a term that's often used called manopause. Um, similar right. to the female menopause. Sure. And I was just wondering if you could speak to that, uh, how the testosterone um, progresses throughout the course of a lifetime right. of a man and if menopause actually exists and what men um, can, strategies uh, men can use to survive okay. it. All right, so my answer to that would be, um, hmm. yeah. You know, after doing this for 25 years and mainly working in the space of hormones, I would say that andropause or manopause, we would call that andropause, uh, absolutely exists. And it, and it exists for the, for the simple reason is that testosterone in a male's life has a life cycle, just like women's, women with estrogen. Once a, once a man hits the, the end, end part of his 40s, and certainly by the time he's into the first few years of his 50s, 
his ability to produce testosterone is significantly lower than when he was 30 years old, right? So, and since we don't typically recognize the symptoms of andropause like we do with menopause, so you're not typically, men are not complaining of hot flashes and night sweats so much, but they will definitely notice a decrease in stamina, a decrease in muscle strength, and maybe even muscle size. Um, they will notice that their recovery time, if they are people that work out, that their recovery time seems to take a lot longer and things take longer to heal if they get injured. These are all signs of the decline in testosterone. And so this is uh, why it is that, and, and again, the reason that this is becoming such an important topic, I believe, is because the life extendancy keeps continuing to go up. I, I think we had a little blip this last year where it actually stayed the same or went down. But for the most part, over the last few decades, uh, you know, longevity and life expectancy keeps going up and up and up. So it might not have been such a noticeable or thing to be concerned about when your great grandparents were typically going to pass away at 60 years old. But if now, if you're going to live into your 80s and maybe even 90s, um, you know, this is something that a man wants to be concerned about because it's tied into everything from, again, strength, cardiovascular health, bone health, uh, certainly sexual function, um, sleep patterns, uh, ability to stay focused and get stuff done. So you want to be taking care of your testosterone levels. And what we're mainly talking about today is the strategies for how you can do that with lifestyle factors, because that's where we always want to place the emphasis before anybody starts jumping on this bandwagon of, oh, the way you solve that is you just go to a doctor and let him give you weekly injections or a testosterone cream. Uh, there, yeah, there, there's a place for that, but not just because you went and got a, 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 a you know, one blood test and it says your testosterone's a little bit low. That's not the first step, you know? The first step is let's see what you can do on your own to increase more testosterone before you look at a prescription medicine that can have some serious complications to it, um, be the first course of action. You know, we don't, I want to, I'm trying to help people break away from this model of healthcare of you go in with the complaint and you get a prescription for a band aid to put on that thing, you know, I mean, cause there's, we've been doing that for way too many years now. Yes, absolutely. And I just wanted to follow that up with another question, too. Many men are very concerned about their prostate health. Mm -hmm. yeah. And prostate cancer, benign prostate hyperplasia, a lot of men struggle with this issue. And mm -hmm. I was just wondering if you could speak to some lifestyle strategies as far as prostate health, where men um, can make you know simple changes um, to possibly see improvement in that or prevention. Well, interestingly enough, I'm going to start that that piece out with saying that some of the stuff that we just talked about, or all the stuff that we've talked about so far, plays into the same mechanism. Because here, the problem with the main problem with prostate cancer is that it, from what we know at this point, the biggest aggravating piece of prostate cancer is driven by a conversion of testosterone in the male's body into its derivative that's called dihydrotestosterone, DHT. 
This is also what is linked to male pattern baldness and a lot of other uh, uh, problems. But so again, what you don't want to be happening is for your body to be diverting your own testosterone into another pathway that leads to the accumulation of a lot of this DHT. Now, again, the things that affect that are what we've talked about. Too much stress in your life, uh, uh, poor eating habits, too much processed food, not enough whole quality uh, food. We haven't talked about protein yet, but we got to get to that one because, again, that's a driver of testosterone. That also is a preventer of converting testosterone into DHT. So these, li these, you know, these lifestyle factors mean a big difference here. Uh, even what Chris brought up about getting sunshine um, uh, is, is helpful through vitamin D production to keep your hormonal pathway on that line to testosterone away from converting that into DHT, um, exercise, all of this stuff is really, really important. Um, there are also, let's see, do we want to go to, yeah, I, I'm going to steer away from, maybe at another time we can get into things like aromatase inhibitors. We know that there are, by eating a quality, clean diet, Again, the way that we see that would be uh, emphasis on protein, good healthy fats, keeping carbohydrates down. That is going to be helping you with this what we this enzyme in your body called aromatase that prevents the conversion of testosterone into DHT. Uh, you know, a lot of men who have been experiencing prostate cancer have probably been put on medications that are aromatase inhibitors. Uh, a lot of men are familiar with there are natural products that tend to, to be mild aromatase inhibitors like uh, salt palmetto is a common one that people go to the health food store. Zinc is uh, also keeps that move on the testosterone pathway and away from DHT, uh, pumpkin seed extract or whatnot. But I'm going to leave it about at that. But uh, um, so, again, it really is about the better you take care of yourself. The better you get adequate sleep, the better that you exercise, the better that you practice some intermittent fasting or skipping a meal occasionally or even doing a full day fast every once in a while. These things are, have a tremendous impact on, on, on hormonal production and hormonal balance and driving it the correct way and not letting it divert its attention into a pathway you don't want to promote. So. Awesome. Let's just touch on two things, Doc, with, with food. One, you know, soy obviously is a, a huge issue today. It's very, very popular, especially in the plant-based movement. And, you know, we know that it's a powerful endocrine disruptor and causes an estrogen dominance. wondered if you could talk to that. And then, like you mentioned, protein. Talk to us about meat and the role that, that it plays. All right. Okay, so soy, uh, soy is a yeah, it's a nasty little little bean to me for sure. Um, now, um, with that being said, I, you know, to it, let's see, to I want to bring this into light because I, you know, the, I work with a lot of population, including Orient uh, people from the Orient, or you know, whether they be Chinese, Korea, or whatnot, who have got a long history of using a lot of soy. I think that the Americans have a little bit misconception around the soy use in places like Japan and China or whatnot. They don't eat nearly as much of it as you think that they might do. And number two, 
90% of what they take in and have been able to enjoy health, uh, health for most of their lives it, due to this is they use soy in its fermented state. Okay, so they're taking things, they're, they're taking soy and they're, uh, they're going through the process to put it into a fermented state. And when you do that, you relieve the product that you're getting ready to ingest from a lot of the endocrine disruptors. We'll, you know, we'll say it that way. There are, there, there are also things called lectins and other phyto anti-nutrients in, in soy. But anyway, to get, so now to get back on track with that, here's what's happening especially in the Western world with people uh, that we went through that 10 year period of time where we really promoted soy as a health, as a health food um, later to find out once again, that that ended up being just uh, aggressive marketing for the soy industry. What really ended up happening is when we take in soy, soy is, it is a phytoestrogen. It, it, so it's going to support, not only can it mimic estrogen, but it also it, it also stimu stimulates our bodies to produce more estrogen. Okay, here's how that ends up being a problem. One is again we talked about as estrogen rise, testosterone is going to decrease. But another mechanism that's even bigger than that is that you soy is a, a direct antagonist to thyroid function. Okay, so what happens is on all the cells of your body, you have these little receptor sites where hormones plug in to that cell and they tell that cell what it's supposed to be doing right now. So it just so happens that thyroid hormone, specifically T3, which is called triiodothyronin, um, competes against estrogen for the same binding site. So if you've got a predominance of estrogen being produced from soy or drinking too much alcohol, or a number of other reasons, these exogenous estrogens that are coming in through uh, too much food eaten out of plastic, too much bottled water drinking out of plastic, um, packaged foods, all this kind of stuff. I think you see where I'm going with this. We're creating an estrogen dominant internal environment. So what's ended up happening is the estrogen is winning out at the receptor site and binding all these receptor sites up. So thyroid hormone comes along can't doesn't have anywhere to plug into and then here's where it gets really complicated because of the fact that you've got adequate amounts of thyroid hormone in your system all you're going to be developing all these symptoms of low thyroid function but your tests are going to come back for thyroid function to come back completely normal so i so a, a typical scenario that happens with me more than more in women than men but certainly does happen in men is increased weight gain inability to stay asleep through the night our, uh, hands and, and and feet feel colder than normal feeling bloated and and like you're retaining fluid all the time um hair thinning skin feeling dry all of these symptoms and the biggest one is the the gaining of weight and the inability to do what you used to be able to do to lose some weight, which doesn't work anymore. All of these are classic symptoms of hypothyroidism. And yet the doctors are missing it because they're running a one little level of, of a thyroid function that's going to come back normal in this case. And so they're going to get written off as it's not your thyroid. It's not going on with your thyroid. Well, it is and it isn't. It really is related to too much estrogen. 
but sometimes they actually need a little bit of thyroid therapy to overcompensate until we get the estrogen levels cleared out. Um, so anyway, it gets a little bit complicated, but I think a lot of people will resonate with that. That, that, that That's probably the biggest problem with things like soy um, is how it's blocking other glands from working correctly. And then let's say you talked about protein. So protein, um, you know, this is an opinionated thing, I guess, certainly in the circle that we all run in. But I think that, you know, we're all clear that if, 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 at least let me say this. I'm not going to speak for you guys. In my opinion and what I see clinically and with what I work with on a daily basis is I think it's clear to me that that protein is the king macro. If there's a, a king of the macros, it's that it's we 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 err on in this country for sure and maybe worldwide. We err on the side of protein deficiency, never protein excess because our body has such a wonderful mechanism for not only all the things that protein supports and drives like endocrine function, every one of those glands that we talked about earlier, pituitary, adrenals, thyroid, testes, or ovaries, these are glands that feed off of dietary protein. They don't need carbohydrates whatsoever. They need the fat in order to make the building blocks for the hormones, but the gland itself is governed about protein consumption being broken down into appropriate amino acids to feed those glands. And so if you're looking for optimal hormonal balance, uh, again, I'll throw out my opinion. You know, I've got a little bit of different dietary approach than a lot of people do in the space of low carbohydrate, whatnot, but it's for the specific reason of that. I am always working with people who where hormones is coming into play. And so what I see the sweet spot for certainly both menopausal and andropausal men, okay, would be that you take the, you take the formulation of the ketogenic diet, which is um, what we're trying, you know, we're trying to spend some time in ketosis, but, but to uh, shift that macro a little bit in favor of a higher protein consumption than the, than the standard ketogenic diet, which would look something like 75% fat, 20% protein, 5% carbohydrate. <clears throat> My, you know, the, the space I work within, there's going to be a sweet spot that's going to look a little bit more like 50 to 55% fat, 35 to 40% protein, and then the small amount of carbs. And, and it's because here's the reason for that. You hit a certain age where the declining levels of the hormones that we used to have, both women and men, these hormones are, are very metabolic. And when you don't have as much of them around as you used to, your body is, is already in a storage mode as opposed to a anabolic mode like you were in your 20s and 30s, right? So again, a, both a man and a woman, let's just use a 50-year-old man and woman who is never going to have the hormonal um, elevation like they once did, for them to be taking in an excessive amount of fat, which is just pure energy, and there's so many good things about pure fat, but you reach a point where you're over-energizing yourself with something that is that, that again is so over is so energizing that within a 24 hour a day a period of time, if you're eating 75 to 80% of your calories from fat and you're 50 years old, you are not burning through all that dietary fat before some of it gets stored away as fat. 
So you can make a simple adjustment and continue to eat this low carb fashion, but you push your protein up, drop your fat back a little bit, allows you to eat the, the same amount, if not even more food. You're just not taking in an excessive amount of energy every day. And there's a, there's a good reason for that, to drop your energy intake. Ted, Ted Naiman says this you know, better than anybody, to look at this protein to energy ratio and find your sweet spot in there. This really makes a big difference with uh, testosterone and estrogen in women and all that kind of stuff. Very, very interesting because more and more you see women um, also with low testosterone um, yep. that are being prescribed below the um, testosterone replacement. Um, so a higher protein than would serve women um, that are struggling with this as well, in addition to the sleep, similar to men. Would that be yep. a correct assessment? Yeah, well, it would be um, there would be one for sure. I would think that you know that that's going to help support better testosterone in a woman. Um, and again, you just brought up a great point. I uh, <clears throat> there are a lot of reasons why I you know as a physician am not a, not a big fan of putting a, a a menopausal woman on testosterone. Now, again, there there's a time and a place for it, but it's becoming the standard, and I think there's a real problem with that because increasing testosterone in a woman more than what her body wants to have um, can certainly aggravate and accelerate osteoporosis if she's already started that journey down to osteopenia and moving toward being osteoporotic you don't want that woman to have more testosterone than she needs awesome doc this is uh this has been great I, our episode with you on women's health was very very popular Got a lot of questions from the men, and I think this is going to give them something to chew on and think about and some real actionable things that they can do to make a real difference. So we look forward to having you on again here real soon. Thank you so much. Tell us what uh, what's what's coming up for you, and, and how can these guys find you? Let's see. What's coming up? Well, I'm in the process of I, – I haven't made my mind up 100%, but there's – I'm getting a lot – a lot, a lot of, of asking of me to write a book that addresses this issue around, you know, low carbohydrate diets and how that goes along with uh, women and men's hormonal health. So um, <clears throat> that might be in, in the in play coming up soon. Um, some other exciting things for me are is that I've been invited to speak at KetoCon in uh, Austin this year. So um, I'm looking forward to that in June. So, you know, hope everybody comes down for something like that. Um, and then just, you know, I'm just continuing to, to, to work out, trying to build a foundation to get information to, you know, again, this, uh, for those of you who don't know me that well, I, uh, you know, you hear, keep hearing me talk about my space. I work, I primarily work with individuals that are usually in the age bracket of around uh, mid 40s to uh, early 60s who are dealing with metabolic issues and, and inability to lose weight or need to lose weight or whatnot. And the, they've already tried various things. It's not really working out that way well for them. And again, in these cases, there's more, a little bit more to it than just going on a low carb diet. They've tried that for a long period of time. Usually there's something that we need to do to stimulate better hormonal balance. And that kind of opens up the gate and then they can start being the success story like a lot of other people do. And then, um, yeah, so that's kind of what's on my plate right now. Uh, as far as, would you ask, 
about. And then just how can they find you? Okay. So I, um, on, on the three platforms that I use on social media, which is primarily Twitter, then Instagram, and then I have a Facebook group, they are all with the at symbol, and then my name is Keto Doc CLT, so K-E-T-O-D-O-C-C-L-T. Uh, you'll find me on any of those platforms. My website is simply D-R Wrigley, my last name, which is like the gum or the uh, the Chicago Cub Field, so W-R-I-G-L-E-Y, so drwrigley.com. I also have, for women, any women listening to this, um, I have a, another page called the ketogeniccode.com where I have structured and built with another physician a, a program specifically for the proper way to do the ketogenic diet if you are in peri or postmenopause. So ketogenic code. <coughs> so anyway, thanks for letting me put that out there, uh, Chris. And um, yeah, hope to run into any of you. Yes, Chris and I will be at KetoCon uh, this oh, week. Oh, great. So we're looking forward to all the talks and bringing our podcast down there um, and just meeting everybody in the community. So we look forward to meeting you in person. Yeah, um, that'll be great. Thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, like Chris said, your women's uh, podcast was one of our most popular episodes. And we know the men are going to look forward to this as well. So thank you so much. Good. All right. You guys take care. The Auto Wild Grill is the king of sophistication, bringing that steakhouse feel into the comfort of your own home. Portable, easy to assemble and clean, the Auto Wild Grill packs a big punch in your grilling game. With only three minutes of preheating needed to 1500 degrees Fahrenheit, you can expect moisture and flavor sealed within a gorgeous steakhouse crust in minutes. The secret is in the Auto Grill's Radiant technology, which allows for higher searing temperatures, faster cooking, and juicy steaks. What are you waiting for? Save $300 off the purchase of your grill today. See the show notes for discount link and code. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today, Mind Body Breakthrough. Chris and I truly appreciate each and every one of you. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend and to join us in our free Mind Body Breakthrough Facebook community where you can start peeling away the layers of everything that's not you so you can be you.